Mondo Podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke, recorded in Hollywood. All right, today we're going to talk about two movies. One is older and one is new. The first one we're going to talk about is John Carpenter's They Live, and the other one is Christopher Landon's Happy Death Day. So that's our what our movies of the day are. So And we all just sat down together, we ordered a pizza, and we watched Happy Death Day together. So we ganged up, watched a movie, and now... Here we are talking about it. Here we are. What did you guys think of it? Well, I really was. I really liked it. I thought it was. It was fun. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I, for some reason, thought it was going to be kind of a gorier, more you know, sort of intense movie. But but it was definitely lighter. Um, and uh, then I found out it was PG thirteen. So I said, okay, well, I, I get that. And it just has a fun. It's smart and it's fun. It's light, uh, but it also has some good scares. Yeah, and you don't have to worry, be worried about gore if you, people out there don't love the gore because it was pretty much bloodless, but it still had insinuated violence here and there. But it wasn't it wasn't about the violence particularly. I mean, it was basically um, Groundhog Day slasher movie, I guess is how I would describe it. What do you think? It was pretty clever. It was. It was. I mean, it kind of... I, I really like um, being the, the sci-fi guy. I really like time travel movies. And that whole idea of the of the paradox, you know, I think I read that this guy who directed this, um, Christopher Landon, who's the son of um, Michael Landon, Michael Landon from Bonanza, and right? Everything else, Little House on the Prairie. Yep. Um, that he was inspired by Back to the Future and Groundhog Day and uh, and John Hughes movies. We yeah. can definitely get that that sense. Yep. But the time travel aspect, it's not a time travel movie, but the, the, the time travel thing, is in, which is similar to um, Back to the Future, where you, go, you get to go back and fix some error or repair something or do something differently to, to change the outcome. And that's basically what it is. This, this young woman, is, uh, she wakes up every morning, relives this day, and is somehow killed every day. Until she tries to, and her goal is to figure out who is killing her. And it seems like she's being given these second, third, fourth, fifth chances in order to uh, find out who her killer is. But of course, in the course of the film, there's another quest. And it's to become a better person. (laughs) (laughs) Just be nice. Yeah. Why can't everybody just be nice? I think that would be my first choice if I had to go through a Groundhog Day thing. Well, she's, she, I mean, at the beginning of the film, I was thinking, I don't like this character. She, you know, the, the moment she wakes up, she starts treating people bad. She's, she's kind of just walks through the movie with this continual, you know, pissed off look on her face and she treats everybody like dirt and people say hi to her and she just glares you know and I thought oh no is this the way she's going to be through the whole film but that becomes a part that becomes an element of the film is the fact that she's such a jerk (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's a really clever film I think it has uh, its roots in time travel movies and it's a bit of a sci-fi film in a way And the horror, I guess people are calling it horror because there's a slasher aspect to it. And because there is a there's a mask in it, you know, a a, a sort of a franchise mask, I guess is what they're called. Yes. Horror franchise mask. Registered (laughs) trademark. That harks that harkens to uh, Scream. You know, as soon as I saw the the killer, I said, this is very much a Scream killer. And Halloween. 
and Friday the 13th. <laughs> it was very similar in tone to Scream, I thought. Because Scream was essentially, I think, comedic. Yeah. And this one definitely had its roots in comedy. It, it, it sort of knows horror movies and sort of sends it up a little bit. And, um, but it's smart and the acting is good. The lead, the lead Jessica Roth, is really kind of, kind of winning. I mean, yeah, she's nasty at the, at the start, but you, sort of, you obviously start liking her. And she's, um, she's, she's good in this. Yeah. Yeah. I like when she sort of starts not caring anymore, and she was actually really funny when she was just walking around and, and flipping everyone off and just being right. awful, burping, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and she's she's like, oh, it doesn't matter, you won't remember this. Yeah, and she's you know in this sorority that of course there's a lot of the, the typical nasty sorority girls in there, and she sort of sends them up, and so. Um, but what's really good is I was as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, how is this going to go? It's one of those where, where you've seen Groundhog Day before we've probably seen edge of tomorrow we sort of get that but is it going to have enough left turns and twists that are going to sort of work for me mm-hmm. and i was going hmm, eh, you know but then i'm it kicks in and it really surprised me like two or three times at the end yep. and, yeah and it was like okay this really is a winner it's basically a murder mystery i mean yeah. it's a it's like a whodunit kind of a thing and you know you find out the identity you find out the motive and all those kind of things and and it it caught me off guard. I was, you know, of course, you're watching movies like this, and you're thinking, "Oh, he did it. That's the guy." Of course, it has to be him, or it has to be him. Or, but as it turns out, it's not who I expected, which is pretty cool. And um, it's not a le- it's not a left field either. It sort of works. Yeah, it works yeah. In the con, and also like it, it's sort of almost like a weird little trope, you know, take on the trope of uh, the final girl, where she gets to be the final girl like a bunch of different times, right? And then she also gets to take control of her fate, like. She starts trying to outsmart the killer. You know, it's like, it was right. just kind of a fun, fun way of showing some female empowerment without being overly, you know, preachy about it. And they also take on stuff like, you know, the whole body shaming and everything else. It's like, I like when they kind of sneak those little tiny lessons in there <laughs> because yeah. all the people doing that are awful. So yeah. you're like, okay, this is good that they're making them look bad. Yeah, and it's not at all preachy at all. It doesn't no. come across that way at all. So, no, it and it's cool. a, it's college. It's not quite high school, but they're they're still sort of acting like high school kids a lot, in a lot of ways. In yeah. the the sort of vindictive, you know these these really horrible archetypes of the sorority girls that we've seen a million times. They're you know the the bitchy roommate type idea, but it was done pretty well. It wasn't it wasn't too unbearable. <laughs> Well, yeah. so, you know, it's also the classic movie campus, you know, like, yeah. so you, like this, you, you walk on a campus, you're not going to see everything that happens on the green in this camp. You know, what happens to her in the same scene, there's like five, six things going on at once. Yeah. But it's sort of a amalgam of that and makes it uh, makes it fun. So it's really uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it was a fun little fun little slasher thing going on. Yeah, it had it had those elements of horror. If you if you want to see a horror film and it's also got a little bit of sci fi, a little bit of like horror comedy I mean, there's some there's some kind of goofy characters in it, and it, and parts there's little moments in there where we were laughing. And uh, I'd say it's almost a horror movie you can watch with your 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 kids or your parents. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's yeah, there's not a lot of that. It's not that bad. Not that offensive if you know you, you take offense to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I can't even thinking back on it, I can't even remember if there's any real bad language in it. It's a she flip, flips the bird once, right? <laughs> 
that might be about it. But if yeah. you're watching with a kid, yeah. you could always just run up to the television and yeah. put a post-it note over right. that part of the screen. <laughs> it's a legitimate PG-13. Yeah. You know, yes. I think that's where you would put it. And that's, she's also, just one other thing, it's like she make, everything she does in the movie is pretty smart. Yeah. She's not doing things, you know, oh, don't go there. She sort of corrects herself and is... She's not. We're not. She doesn't have to catch up to what we're what we're seeing. She's doing it with us, right? And there's another thing with with sci-fi movies or or horror films that that have these otherworldly elements to them. A lot of times, people's reactions to them are pretty. St- I mean, we've seen it so many times where something crazy happens and somebody has to react to it. And and in as far as I know, nothing impossible has ever happened to any of us. In other words, we've never encountered an alien or a, you know, I mean, that's not impossible, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a million actors in film see something that's that's outrageously impossible, like waking up after you've been murdered to live your, the day again. It's a, it's crazy. And her reaction to it, it, we don't have to dwell on it. You know, she's not, she doesn't spend the whole day pulling her hair out saying, oh my God, this is just too weird. I can't even move. Which is what most of us probably would do. Yeah. <laughs> she calibrates her performance pretty well, too. Yeah. Because each time she redoes her day, she has to basically adapt a whole new slant to her character. So it's fun to see her take this character and kind of modulate per day and per solution what she has to do each time. Yeah. She's like a whole different person every And you time. could tell they totally reshot everything. And, you know, they had the same actors do the same thing over and over and over. And she has different reactions each time. And the, and the things that she does sometimes play into it and change history she's able to do one thing and it and it impacts several steps ahead things like that yeah it's a clever movie yeah it's clever and it also knows that most everybody who is going to see this movie has probably seen groundhog day yeah and good and that that was done extremely well so they're going to this going how do we do this uh, and do it as well as Groundhog Day, but in a different way. Yeah, and that's a, that's kind of tough. Yeah, you know, like that's a tough challenge, and I felt that they pulled it off. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty high bar. That's a pretty classic movie too. Yeah, and speaking of classic movies, speaking of classic. Oh, did we mention the other movies that Christopher Landon has um, directed? Because he's not a slouch. He's done a lot of stuff. He did Disturbia. He's done. He the wrote Disturbia. Paranormal movies. Yeah, I think he wrote a bunch of those. I think. Um, uh, I think there's actually uh, there's uh, Happy Death Day two coming. Oh. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> it's gonna be the same person again. <laughs> oh no, <doing> more. <laughs> no, she, he he knows his way around horror, and yeah. so he, he sort of t- took that and said, "But let's you know instead of doing the sort of the more hardcore stuff, let's lighten it up a bit, put some laughs in there." And when you think then, about it, I mean, Disturbia and the uh, paranormal movies are not gory, so. He does not seem like the kind of guy who's who's out there to gross people out. Right. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting. But you wanted a little more gore in this one, didn't you? I, I actually would like to see a little bit <laughs> you're more. You're kind of I sad. Felt, it was yeah. It felt a little safe. I mean, I feel like we it would have been a little more shocking and maybe felt like there was more at stake if we could see a little bit more than we saw because it, it was literally. I don't. I don't. I think there was a teeny little blood splat at some point. Right. Um. But I mean, not that you know we have to see you know guts and everything, but a little a little extra violence couldn't hurt. Yeah, there were a couple of moments. I mean, you saw that knife in in somebody in the film, yeah. and but anyway, anyway, 
<laughs> we're not here to gross out. Cats. No, it was, but it was, it was good. It was a happy surprise, and it was. it's something. Uh, if you want a fun evening, it's a good one. And you can eat food while you eat. You watch it, <laughs> which and we did. Like, which we did. Yeah. We had pizza, vegetarian pizza, because we were real worried. Like you don't want a big meaty pizza if you're watching a gross slasher movie. My carrots and hummus weren't enough, obviously. <laughs> We need more well, speaking of speaking of carrots and hummus, <laughs> there's a there's a reference in the film that I thought was pretty funny. One of the first things you see in the film is her waking up in a dorm room with this guy, and when she sits up, there's a poster on the wall for a movie called They Live. They Live, which is a classic John Carpenter so film. Good. I think we've mentioned John Carpenter before on this podcast. A few yes. times. Yes. And uh, They Live was uh, from 1988. And um, Rowdy Roddy Piper, rest his soul, uh, stars in the movie. And if you haven't seen it, it's, well, you can explain it because uh, it, it takes forever. But it's it's really uh, a smart film about a guy who's sort of a down and out I don't know if he's homeless or he's kind of like just... I think he is. He's kind of a drifter. You he's know, a drifter. He's like, he gets off the train and he's a, wanders into hobo? town. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a hobo. He's yeah. like in L.A. and he's sort of just hanging out and just uh, you know trying to work, trying to work at, get jobs. And somehow he comes across some sunglasses. I can't remember exactly how he did that. Well, you know, he's camping out at this place across the street from a mysterious church that might be a front for some underground organization. And... Somebody breaks in. I think there's a there's some cardboard boxes that are full That's of these glasses. Right. That's, right. That's right. They're and, on the back, yeah, by the dumpster or something. Yeah, and somebody had stolen them or something. But he puts them on, and interest interestingly, I mean, when you think about it metaphorically, the idea of like you know going to this like an underground organization's meetings, which they have these meetings and they're they're trying to discuss what they're going to do about this plot, you know, this conspiracy, and he finds out through these these glasses what the conspiracy is and it's and the metaphor is you know he puts on these glasses and suddenly he has this epiphany right but it's a it's sort of a technological one because suddenly the, the glasses give him the ability to see the real world and the real world is run by these monster-faced aliens and advertising is actually what some people already suspect it is, <laughs> which is the subliminal. Yeah, yeah right I mean, now. it's <laughs> it's a literal. I mean, what what I mean, some of us have worked in advertising and we know what they talk about at the meetings and they talk about things like, what are we going to do to make people really, really think they can't live without our product? And so, I mean, people put that kind of thought into into the media. And he when he puts on these glasses he sees all that stuff, and it's almost like that revelation you have when you grow up and you become an adult and you look at the world and you say, oh, I see how things work now. You know, I'm not this little kid who thinks that ads really do want to help me. You know, they, it's like the, the these commercials, they don't care about you. They don't want you to be a better person. They want your money. <laughs> <laughs> no, they care about me. They really do. And all these wealthy people that want to keep you stupid and all that kind of stuff, they want to keep you obeying you know and one of the things he sees is any kind of signage or or papers or magazines it's just white in the in this world it's just a white page with a word on it that says obey or stay asleep or this is your god on all the money all the all the paper money says this is your god and it's the kind of thing that if you believe that then you'll be an obedient servant and you'll serve these 
these wealthy overlords who are running things secretly, you know, and the real, the way they really look is horrific and ugly. (laughs) But then when you take the glasses off, they look great. You know, they've got the, they've got the great seventies looking uh, TV newscaster haircuts and (laughs) and the suits. (laughs) It's so good. It's a great movie. It's a it's a really fun one to watch with people, and you can just talk about it. You know? And I think it has one of the longest fist fight wrestling fights in any movie I've ever seen. I think it was like ten minutes. Roddy Piper and Keith David just yeah. fighting just goes on in and a on. street. Yeah, fighting. It was so funny. They fight each other in this alley, and he, and the, the reason they're fighting is because Roddy Piper wants him to put the glasses on. <laughs> no, yeah. and he's like, put no. the glasses on. Put them on. And the guy is like, no, I'm not going to put on the glasses. And he's like, put the glasses on. And they were like beating each other up for 10 or 50. I think it would have been better just to put the glasses on. Yeah, I know. But that was the. It was Did like, he just think he would look good in them? But again, you know, it's the metaphor. Don't you yeah, feel sometimes totally. like when you're trying to explain yes. to somebody about these things that like you right understand now. about reality? Yeah, like about politics. present politics. You know, you're trying to explain to somebody, look, don't you see? Don't you see the con job? Don't you see the the lying? Don't you see it? And then people are like, no, I don't. Oh, I and don't you're like, the put the glasses on. What? Put the glasses on. You watch this now, and it, it's, it has a whole different meaning than from yeah. 1988. Yeah, it does. But, he, I mean, the thing is, what's funny is you go back to 1988, and people were saying, whoa, this is so relevant right now. Right. So I guess, unfortunately, any any era that we live in, we're gonna there's there's gonna be aspects about it where we're where we're saying put the glasses on, <laughs> and we're gonna feel like we want to beat somebody up in an alley until they put the glasses on. I think I'm just gonna every time I feel like I want to do that to someone, I'll just watch that scene again. Yeah, go. It's just not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna <laughs> You're never gonna get those glasses on them. They will not listen. I really like the music, and I'm, I'm you know John Carpenter's music is always you know such a star. Yeah, and it's very memorable in this movie. It just sort of sets the tone of sort of like this da da da, you know, that yeah. kind of how it goes. And it just, you know, he's sort of r- rambling through life, and then this he happens upon this incredible thing, and he can't get anybody to believe him, and so he just sort of da da. It's just life just keeps going yeah. on, even though he's seen, you know, he's seeing this stuff. The thing I saw this movie a long time ago, like when it first came out, and I remember it being so crazy, and then watching it sort of recently and it it was a lot grittier and and smaller than i thought it was like it's just very very tight it wasn't this big grand thing like they kept it really small and and you know the, the sets were basically just this one basically a city street and a little like encampment for the homeless I mean, most of it takes place in a really small area which was kind of interesting i think back then like in the late 80s john carpenter i believe signed like a deal like a five picture deal and they were all lower budget films like prince of darkness they live uh, oh, yeah. uh, a couple of other ones and they work yeah. it, it works in that way and Roddy Piper's really good in it playing he's this good. kind of like guy you know he's just yeah, like the everyman you know he's yeah. like the average guy he's got nothing nothing real special about him he, they don't really present him as a person who has a an agenda you know he's not like this guy who's who wants to you know who starts the film wanting to save the world 
he just it just sort of falls in his lap and then suddenly he's like okay i have to save the world he's pretty <laughs> built for a homeless dude i have to say like where's he getting all that protein oh, how's well, he you doing kind that? of maybe he just recently became homeless because of some sort of <laughs> you know lost his, lost his job he lost his job or something you know maybe he was a construction guy and he was just you know lifting up what was the great there's a great classic i don't think people even realize it's from this movie the great line where he's robbing the bank yeah he oh it's like i've come great? here to to chew bubble gum and kick ass kick ass and chew bubble gum and i'm all out of bubble gum That's or something like that. That. Yeah, it's like oh, that so good we'll have to try and get a clip of that or something that was really good yeah i think i, I don't i think we're quoting it incorrectly but <laughs> <laughs> but you you can catch it on youtube and it's uh yeah it, it's it's it will start there and it people still one. use it yeah john carpenter always had these films i think one of the things i liked about his films during that era was how simple they they are like you were saying they're kind of small and sort of contained and you know we were talking about the thing last time and and uh a lot of his movies there's one there's one goal in it there's one thing somebody has to do there's one thing like assault on precinct 13 basically people trapped in a in a police station because people outside are trying to kill them that's the premise that's what happens in the film and halloween you have michael myers stalking this one basically one street yeah trying to kill somebody Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get away from him And and even something like Escape from New York, you know, it's like he has to go in to this terrible place and find somebody without getting killed because a bunch of people are trying to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> then, you know, it's kind of funny. I think people should take lessons from that because I don't think you need a big budget for a good horror movie. I mean, we're going to talk about a bunch of these kind of movies in this podcast, but... Um, like you think about that new Universal project they had where they were going to do, like, revive all the monster movies. Mm-hmm. And they, the first thing they do is release The Mummy, which should have been an easy solve, right? They made that unrecognizable. This huge action, bloated, you know, big budget. Like, why'd you have to do that? Like, you're doing The Mummy. You can just keep it low budget, small, make it a mummy. I and mean, it just, I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like they ruined the whole franchise idea by going that direction. When, when it comes to horror, you can just make it small and and intimate <laughs> the thing is there's already giant action films you know there's already a ton of those it, it's like something like those great universal monsters there's so much potential to those characters still i mean how many different versions of frankenstein have you seen and yet some of them are still really good and dracula you know and any kind of vampire story basically has its roots in dracula and those characters could be could have, they just could do so much with those characters and something like the mummy you know that could have been a great sort of smallish kind of you know gritty moody kind of feeling kind of a movie but you know they turned it into a mission impossible movie yeah completely unnecessary they just they're not thinking that way no. they're thinking it's they're Big thinking like pole. exactly and of course it was a huge that at least that movie was a huge bomb because they spent too much money on it they could make yeah. money on these movies i mean these huge movies that come out like insidious or whatever tiny little cheap movies make tons of money yeah right? they could easily do that well, their hope was to have a big, you know, franchise like the, you know, like the Marvel universe or something, yeah. where they were going to have the Universal Monster universe, and they were going to connect them all and have, you know, Frankenstein and the Mummy and the Wolfman and Dracula and. You can, I still and, love you that can idea. still connect them and just make them smaller. Well, know, they, they did. They called it Penny Dreadful. <laughs> that's <laughs> they, true. They that's actually true. did a, that. That's a great. That's speaking of horror. That's an incredible show. It is. But you know, when you go back to the source material, look at the original Universal horror films. Those films still work, and those are ancient. Those are those are. I mean, when Frankenstein, when that movie came out, there weren't a whole bunch of horror films. 
And nobody had really invented yet the language of horror films or what monsters looked like even. And when you see a film like that, you realize that James Whale and, the, and you know, the people that did the makeup and the, the lighting and everything, they basically invented that. You know, they invented what uh, what we call classic horror, you know, and some of those things were still, we still use those kind of shadows and those kind of... Or Todd Browning and, you know, Dracula. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, yeah. or the Spanish version of Dracula. Which is great. <laughs> Which yeah. is, yeah. some people say is better. You know? <laughs> I actually like it better. It's a, it's, it's actually a little bit, yeah, I mean, it's, to me, more interesting. Yeah. Just proves don't need to use a lot of money to make good horror. Yeah, you don't need money. You don't need a, a, a lot of money. You need some money. You need at least well, five bucks or ten bucks. And well, you want to make you know now you know we want the effects to look good. So you're going to put the money to make the monsters look good and any of the deaths and stuff. They have to look good now. That's you know, true. That's true. But that aside, but you don't need a thousand mummies. You know uh, whatever parrot. What are they doing? Like uh, jumping out of planes? Or something? <laughs> <laughs> They're go, going into <laughs> Afghanistan. We don't need that. Like rappelling into the Chrysler <laughs> Building or something. <laughs> ten thousand mummies on the loose in New York City. <laughs> they run really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Are they super fast mummies? I think so. oh, no. like a super sexy well, did, fast well, mummy. <laughs> did you see it? I, I, and they I, use I their no, they I use their the their mummy wrappings to repel down. The, <laughs> I'd actually kind of want to see that. That would be fun. You know, well, I'm now sure. that I, yeah, <laughs> we should pitch it. We should pitch that. Here's the pitch. <laughs> Okay. But think about those old, Paramount. you know, think Are about those old, those old horror films. They weren't made, I mean, by our standards, those things weren't made by, you know, with a whole ton of money. And it was mood. It was, it was story. It was character. It was, but I think a lot of it was the mood and the, and the intent of the film. Because when Frankenstein was made, I remember when I was little being like, when I was really little kid and I'd never even seen Frankenstein, I would see the picture of the Frankenstein monster and it was, it was a scary picture, but it was just a man. You know, it was like a man's face, but he had a flat, weird head. It was just the the idea that they could have this iconic, I mean, still probably the most iconic monster face ever, right? Mm -hmm. But it's basically Boris Karloff's face with a, with a big forehead and a flat head and some, some electrodes sticking out of his neck. But what a brilliant design. And most of it, most of what that monster was, was Boris Karloff's performance. I mean, he was yeah. he was this lanky reanimated dead man who who could walk and 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 it was tragic. And that was the other thing about a, about some of the best monster movies is the monsters aren't these lumbering evil things, they're tragedies. And the actors who portray them are all, you know, really good. Yeah. Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, you know, Bela Lugosi, and so yeah, those guys yeah. were great. Yeah. Well, that's what was kind of fun about if you've seen Penny Dreadful is that they basically take a lot of the classic monsters and they kind of reinvent them. So I feel like Frankenstein hasn't had a good update in a long time. I feel like pretty much Frankenstein always kind of looks like the original Frankenstein. They kind of seem to model it after that, essentially. I think that vision is copyrighted, it, though, by Universal. So if But yeah. but Frankenstein, the story, is in the public domain. So yes. if you make a Frankenstein movie, you can do it, but you can't have him look like the flat-headed... Well, the Penny Dreadful Frankenstein is not like that. He no, he was different. he looked yeah. like a goth. Like yeah. he just had like black right. hair and you know just had a little like maybe some more scars. like the book, right? Yeah, probably. Or did you guys ever see that old um, Frankenstein movie? I think it was from 1973, Frankenstein: The True Story. Remember mm -hmm. that on television? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was uh, yeah. I do remember that. Was that 
I don't. Was that had the, David McCallum in it? And oh, was it a TV movie? Yeah. Oh, was, okay. was it Peter I do remember Sarazan that. or something? Yeah. God, that movie scared My, Michael me. Michael Sarazan. Michael Sarazan. 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 Yeah. Sarazan. Yeah. That was so scary to me. Yeah. It's well, probably pretty tame now if I looked at it. It is, but you know what? It's really good. It's actually, it actually, I watched it fairly recently because a friend of mine did a a beautiful painting for a cover of a magazine um, called Little Shop of Horrors that they did a special issue on on uh, that movie. And so I watched it again. I read the articles in there and it inspired me to watch it again. It's actually a really good, it's a really good Frankenstein movie. And it, you know what it reminds me of is the, is the Hammer films. Uh, kind of has a Hammer vibe to it. I was raised on Hammer films. I always have a little sentimental like attachment to those because that's what I was raised on as a kid. Well, the Hammer stuff is great when you. It's so good. It's <laughs> pure filmmaking. I think this the, just the colors and the action and the. I think Christopher Lee's Dracula was one of my first crushes. <laughs> just thought he was so cool. It's so cool that you saw that one year. It's so cool. You know. uh, and Barnabas, yeah. Barnabas, and Christopher Lee. I sort of had a vampire thing, I guess. Barnabas Collins from Barnabas Collins from Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows creeped me out. Oh, my God. Just those waves crashing, black and white, it kind of wooked me. Did they have a Frankenstein in Dark Shadows? I know they had a werewolf, a vampire. A a talking severed head and a floating hand. Yeah, they had a lot of great stuff on that show. So good. We'll we'll talk about that. uh, You could do a whole episode about Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows. Dan Curtis. Yeah. (laughs) Who also directed Trilogy of Terror. Yes, that's right. That's right. So he had, uh, and he did a show called The Invaders. Do you remember that one? Yeah. That was a pretty cool late 60s sci-fi and it had a Quinn Martin production, one of those kind of a things. Quinn Martin production. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. that was an interesting show. It was kind of creepy. It was a, it was another one of those, we were talking about, you know, like the thing where these, uh, or Invasion of the Body Snatchers where the alien can replicate a human. Yeah. It was one of those. So good. Yeah. Maybe we should do a Dan Curtis episode. <laughs> We have Stay all these tuned. ideas. Yeah. Everybody's like, who's Dan Curtis? I'm not listening to that. Well, we'll tell you who Dan Curtis is. And you're going to be enthralled. You're going to love it. This is Dan Curtis. There's so many of these great these great people. And I keep mentioning Richard Matheson from, from those days. It's it's so funny. Uh, you know, you watch television. If you watch old old TV shows, if you love them as much as, as I do, like the old scary stuff, you know, night gallery type things, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits type stuff. Watch how many times that name pops up on the screen. <laughs> Richard Matheson, you know, just about everything I remember being really intense and really scary. The best Twilight Zone episodes, Richard Matheson. Yeah, he's yep. amazing. And um, yeah, and he I, I remember reading about him and how he just would like the, the, the one with William Shatner on the plane. Right. He was on a plane going, you know, what if I look out the window and there's some creature attacking the, the one of the engines of the plane. Yeah. Story. There's yeah. a story. Or what am I driving and there's this tanker, this 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 truck behind uh, in front of me, you know, blowing all the smoke so I pass it and then it passes me. And then I pass it and it turns into this cat and mouse game and that was uh he wrote the screenplay for for Duel, one right. of Spielberg's first features. And That's that man's name was Steven Spielberg. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so. But Duel is another great horror film, I yeah. think. That's oh, a sure. that's a really that's a scary film, not in a supernatural way, not like something lurking under your bed way, but if you've ever been driving by yourself somewhere and you know, if you've ever, if anything's ever happened where somebody cuts you off or something or you you get angry and you, and you kind of maybe 
think in these terms of like, God, you know, what if that guy had a gun or something? Or, you know, what if this escalated into something? What if this turned into road rage? And the idea that you cut somebody off, I think that's what happened, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he cuts him off and then well, the guy he just, just stalks him. He, he he just passes him and then the truck passes him. He's just in the lonely desert road. Right. And all of a sudden, for some reason, he's after him. You know, yeah. he, and, and Dennis Weaver, who plays the uh, the innocent motorist, just doesn't know why it's happening. But he's in it. Yeah. He's in the middle of nowhere. He can't get out of it. And that's the movie. And, and it's it intense. escalates, and it's intense, and it's just a guy in a car on the road with a truck. Yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah it's so Which good. you can then see how that could lead to Jaws. Yeah. Well, you know. The, because the, it's you know, being pursued by this mega predator enemy, just this guy, you know. Yeah. Well, do you know the, the little trivia, and maybe a lot of people know this, but when the uh, truck goes over the cliff at the end of the movie, it makes a, there's a sound like this groaning, crazy sound. It's the same sound. He put the same sound in jaws when the, uh, when the shark explodes. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Same exact effect. That's really funny. So that was, so the sound of a shark exploding is the (laughs) same sound a truck makes (laughs) when it crashes. Well, something like that. Can you prove otherwise? (laughs) I just had never imagined it to be so. Okay, I lied about uh, that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it. So anyway, we we like They Live. We like that movie quite a lot. They we love that movie, in and fact. And it seems very relevant today. You yeah. watch it because it's very much about that sort of bait and switch that's going on in, in the world today. Because, ladies and gentlemen, they do live. They live. Put the glasses on. <laughs> Obey. Please. Consume. Put the glasses on, please. Put the glasses on. <laughs> We'll, oh. we'll leave you with that. Yeah. We'll leave you with that. I think we have another letter. We have like an email. Oh, yeah. This is a, this is a, a funny one. This is from Tony in Corona, and it's a really simple question, but it's more difficult than Uh-oh. you may believe. Uh-oh. What are your favorite horror movies? Oh, God. I hate this question yeah. so much. Oh, it's I, so hard. It changes a lot. Well, you know, are we talking like... We can talk classic horror. We can talk modern. Or just maybe the one that you saw and like... I'm a horror fan. He said top five. But we can top start with the five. top. Oh, did he, he didn't say, <laughs> did top, he say five? top five. He just no. said, what are oh, your, well, your favorite, favorite horror films? Oh, I so. Okay, well, that's much better. Okay, I'm going to be kind of boring. I mean, I said it, I think, in the first podcast. You know, Halloween is there for me because that really was the one that started it for me. Uh, Exorcist, you know, these that that one scares me. It's still great. Oh, boy. There's so many I could choose from. Hellraiser well, 2. No, I'm Hellraiser. kidding. No, I'm just kidding about that. Hellraiser 2. <laughs> well, I, I think mine are the same, or a lot of the same things. I love the old stuff. I really love movies like The Haunting and The Innocence and things like that, where, where it's a, a lot of it's about mood. And I, I like, uh, of course, I like The Exorcist because that one, I think, I think that's a movie that nobody's ever touched since. The, the impact and the effect and the and just the the flat realism of that and the performances in there the Ellen Burstyn and everybody everybody who's in that film is so perfect in The Exorcist I can watch it over and over and I think a lot of that is due to the performances and similarly I really love Rosemary's Baby because the the mood and the feel of it and the performances I'd probably say my favorite. Just probably movie and horror movie are one and the same. It's probably Jaws. And <clears throat> we mentioned it earlier, but I, I saw that recently. And that movie is so perfect. 
And it's also one of those movies where we've seen a lot of shark movies since then. Everyone has, but they never approached that movie. And I yeah. think it's like when you see like a really good filmmaker like that, take that kind of a concept and put it to film, you can just go, okay, this is why this is working. You can't imitate it. You, you got to have the right attitude toward it. And it has the humor. It has all that. It's beautiful, but it's scary. It's all in the daytime. You know, a lot of it. It's just, ugh, just it's basic movie. and visceral and it's got Roy Scheider. Yes. And I've always been obsessed with that movie. I don't know if you guys saw I wore Jaws shoes today. Yeah, I, I saw that. Jaws shoes. Um, <laughs> anything them. with sharks, I'm like, I still love Jaws. <laughs> my, my little anecdote for Jaws was uh, before it came out, uh, my father had a friend who uh, spent summers in Martha's Vineyard. And his friend told my dad, said, they're making this shark movie. It looks so stupid. No. <laughs> they're like, this thing doesn't work. I mean, it's, uh, a, it's the talk of Martha's Vineyard that this, they're making this movie and it'll, it just looks silly. Hmm. I went to see it and it was anything but. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. a great movie experience. That's but that right. said, you know, I know that all of us are in five minutes. We're going to go, oh, but wait, I have another favorite movie yeah, I should have mentioned. There's, there's too many. I can't even think. Seriously. So maybe right. we'll just keep talking, you know, on another episode about what our favorite movies are. Every time we do a podcast, like, what's your favorite movie what's today? What's your favorite movie today? Well, you know, one thing, kind of funny thing, too, about Jaws, you were talking about how stuff didn't work. And I feel like because stuff didn't work, he made a better movie because that was that same thing of what you're not seeing. Like you mm-hmm. didn't really see the shark clearly through most of the movie. It was mostly insinuated. It makes it even more scary. Yeah. Like if that shark had worked really well, maybe he would have showed it too much, you know? <laughs> true. Exactly, it true. would have been in the movie too much because it looked, you know, it worked really well. And so he wanted to show it more. And am I crazy or is it a thing that in the soundtrack, aren't there some little hints of Wizard of Oz? Because when you hear the music... There's like little Wizard of Oz cues in that soundtrack. I remember like seeing like when there's a boat, when the boat is there at night and they're out there, there's a little, little hint of the Wizard of Oz on there. And I do not think that that's a mistake. I think that's definitely like they're off to see the wizard. Yeah. I've always wanted to try and track that down and I have to look for that again. Wow. Well, that's, uh, I'll have to watch it for the 45th time. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a chore. No, it's not. No, it's not. not I always love it. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Well, it's time to wrap it up. As we're wrapping it up. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the question. What was his name? Oh, Oh, Tony. Is it Tony? Tony. Thanks, Tony. Tony and Corona. And please, you know, keep sending your questions in. Yeah. Yeah. Try and stump us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening. And this is so.